On the show today, I'm joined by two incredible voiceover artists. First up is Eric Stewart, who's best known for his work on Pokemon, as well as being an incredible singer-songwriter. And then I chat with Bryce Pappenbrook, who you love in Attack on Titan. It's going to be a great show, so don't go anywhere. Hello and welcome to the brand new episode of Benjamin Mayer McKay's Talk To Me. I'm your host, Benjamin, and I couldn't be more excited today to have two of the best voiceover actors in the industry on the show. Now, both of these guests are appearing at Supernova Sydney and Perth this June. Uh, I will also be there hosting uh, the panels with the superstar guests that also include uh, Stephen Amell and his brother Robbie and uh, Dawn Wells from Gilligan's Island and uh, Barbara Felden from uh, Get Smart, and Barbara Eden as well from I Dream of Genie. So it's a fantastic lineup, and uh, these these two wonderful voiceover artists will also be there. So sit back, relax, and enjoy my chat with Eric Stewart. Welcome to the show, and thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you for having me. Now, Eric, you're joining us from one of my favorite cities in the whole world, Nashville. What brought you there? Ah, yes, Nashville. I'm glad you've been here. That's good. Um... I am a singer-songwriter long before I was a voice actor. And, of course, I've been a voice actor for close to 30 years. So um, if you do the math, that means that I started playing music when I was five. Um, but, no, seriously, I, um, I fell in love with Nashville uh, while I was on a, music, a big music tour. We came through here when my band was uh, opening for uh, Peter Frampton's tour. And uh, I just loved it. Peter brought us down here to record our first album, and I said at that time, I think I want to live here. It took me a couple of years to figure out how to do it, uh, but then I sold my house in Brooklyn and, and made the move to focus more on music and also uh, what I feel is a, just a better quality of life. I'm, I'm born and raised in New York City, and I love it. I'll always be a Brooklyn boy, but uh, uh, stepping away from sort of that rat race, uh, a nice, healthy choice for me, especially being in this music city. And obviously Nashville is known as Music City. Are you still able to get the voiceover work and the acting work while you're there? It is a different uh, shift in um, in the, what fills my day. Um, the nice thing is that I'm able to have a home studio um, because of the, the cost of living is a little different than New York City and um, it's quiet where I live. And um, But the, uh, the type of voiceover work the amount is definitely a different shift based on the fact that I'm not seeing as many people, uh, you know, making that FaceTime uh, by running around to auditions all the time. Um, I do more corporate work. I do more audiobook work than I do cartoons. Um, but that's a choice that I made when I when I decided to move down here. Uh, I thought, you know, um, I, I need a little bit of a, a shift back towards the focus of music. And so I knew I was walking away from from a, a larger voiceover career, but I've been doing it for a long time. So I have uh, established relationships in this industry where people will hire me remotely. And that's something I'm very thankful for um, because I'm also an engineer and self-direct, um, you know, the sort of soup to nuts kind of thing. Uh, clients can send me things and not worry about the fact that I'm you know, here in Nashville while they're in New York or L.A. or Chicago. And that sounds absolutely wonderful. And as you mentioned, you have been doing it for a long time now. So what drove you to pursue a career professionally in the performing industry? So 
I uh, in uh, I had been playing music uh, probably from about eighth grade on. I loved it. I loved the the the, the live um, uh, the energy of performing live uh, and everything that I did as a as a young man for jobs always get, went towards giving me the freedom to play my own music. So whether I worked in uh, uh, I was uh, doing you know construction or uh, getting a job in a plant nursery or maybe it ended up being a, a production assistant on, on films. And then finally I got a job in a recording studio, which uh, of course um, introduced me to the voiceover industry. I actually thought I was taking a job in a recording studio that only did And when I learned that they did uh, voiceovers for radio and TV, um, it just made sense to me that, oh, okay, well, this is something I could, I could do um, almost behind the scenes because nobody really wanted to see a rock and roll guy that was maybe doing an ad for Tidy Bowl or some product that's like, you know, you don't want to get recognized as uh, uh, doing ads and then try to sing oh-so-sensitive love songs as an artist. So I thought the voiceover thing was uh, something I could almost be anonymous doing. Um, and of course, then you start working on shows like Pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh! and, and people actually know what you look like. Um, but... Uh, I have always wanted to be in the arts. I, uh, my mother is a dancer, a modern dancer, and uh, I grew up around theater. Uh, and it's, I love the expression of it, whether it's drawing or acting or singing or playing. Um, to me, art is life. And <laughs> if you take away those, those things, uh, life would be very, very boring. So um, I've always been driven to that. And you did mention Pokemon, which is one of the shows you're probably best known for. How did that come about, and could you ever predict how popular it was going to become? So the story is, so as I was working in that recording studio, one of my clients um, said to me, hey, uh, do you like cartoons? Because uh, a client of mine is casting for some Japanese uh, anime, and they're looking for young uh, actors, uh, young voices for the show. And I was like, sure, that'd be great. I love cartoons. And, you know, I grew up watching a show called Battle of the Planets, uh, G-Force, which was one of my favorite animes of all time. I thought, oh, this will be fun. And I went in and I auditioned for the show and I didn't get anything. Um, I didn't get cast in either, either of the two main roles that I'm known for. They started with someone else as Brock. And uh, after the first couple of sessions, then they called me and said, yeah, the guy that we picked, we don't like. Now, of course, they never aired his verse. They, they, we don't like. Uh, uh, you're our second choice, so uh, we'd like to book you. It was a backhanded compliment of, like, you weren't good enough to be number one, but, yeah, we want to hire you. So uh, that was interesting. Uh, and then uh, James from Team Rocket, uh, a friend of mine, had uh, played that character first. He was cast in that role, but he decided he wanted to pursue theater. And, wanted, and, and had offered to do a play, and he left the show, and then they brought me in to him, and then I stayed on for, you know, the next 10 years. But um, when we were working on it, every director, every producer I've ever worked for will always tell you the project you're working on is going to be the biggest thing ever. And so as actors, we take that with a grain of salt and say, yeah, sure, you've heard it before. Um they were saying that Pokemon was a big thing in Japan and it could be a big thing here, but I had no idea. Um, of course, in hindsight, looking back on format, the, the way the characters are developed, um, you know, and, and meeting the fans and hearing what they uh, got out of watching that show as kids, 
you know, there's a moral to our to the stories of that show. There's a camaraderie, the friendship. Um, and a lot of people, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit of a loner myself, and a lot of people grow up and they feel like they don't have a ton of friends. And we've heard through talking to fans that, you know, Pokemon, uh, these characters were their friends um, and, uh, and helped them make friends. And so I kind of get why it has been on for so long and why uh, it's loved by so many. It's because there's actually, there's some goodness to it. Um, the bad guys are not really that evil, but you know, they're making mistakes and, and, and we learn lessons from that. Um, you know, I'm not like, you know, uh, Mr. Wholesome when, I mean, I like my action films. I like my, my, my thrillers, my, my slasher, but Pokemon is, it's, it's, it's got a good message. And I, and I'm glad that that rings true to this day that people, um, are drawn to that. Absolutely. And you're coming to Australia to meet fans and uh, do some interviews and sign some autographs and let them talk to you about all the shows you've uh, you've been a part of. What do you enjoy about doing conventions right. like Supernova? So um, the opportunity to travel to places like Australia um, as, as a young man that grew up in, in Brooklyn, New York, um, is amazing to me that this job has given me that, that, those opportunities. Um, to know that the, the shows that I've worked on have reached uh, international audiences is quite amazing to me. It's very humbling. Um, and uh, the Australian fans, I mean, the Supernova fans are fantastic. I've done a couple of them in the past. I've, I've been to both of these cities before, but many years ago, and I'm looking forward to, to returning. Um, it's just you work on these shows in the in the isolation of the booth. I mean, that's it's an isolation booth. That's what it is. And you don't know if what you're doing is making someone laugh, making someone cry, how they're connecting to it, until you actually go to these conventions and speak to the fans that have watched you for years. And I know that some guests feel like it's like it's overwhelming and, you know, it's hard to give each person their time, but... It actually, I get a lot out of having those five-minute conversations or whatever I can. If the lines are crazy long, I want to give those people their time because I benefit from it as well. I, I, I want to know that the, the things that I work hard doing are actually reaching people and, um, and, and making them think, making them feel, you know, as an, as an actor or as an, as an artist. That's what you want. So um, I, I love the convention experience. It really means a lot me to, to meet the fans in person. It certainly sounds like a great thing from your perspective. Now, before I let you go, I would like to hear about your new series that you're working on with Dan Green, which is you described as an audio drama crossed with a comic. Yeah. So we're working on this original series that Dan Green actually wrote. Dan Green is actually hand drawing. Um, we, are, we are both in it as actors. Uh, we've, we've brought in... Um, people from, from Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh! and Turtles and Sonic. I mean, we have Veronica Taylor in there, who's Ash from Pokemon. Um, but this is an original series, and it's as if you were listening to an audiobook. Uh, they're short episodes. They're about five to seven minutes long each, uh, as if you were listening to an audiobook while reading a black-and-white comic book. So there's no lip flap. There's no sort of uh, uh, articulation, but there is movement. Um, but it's a story. Uh, it's definitely superhero sci-fi in terms of the the uh the overall umbrella of the show but the core of the message is 
that you don't have to have superpowers to be a hero, and that also to help others, you've got to help yourself first. A lot of our characters deal with issues in their lives that are very human. Um, all because, you know, as, as you, uh, you meet people and you realize some people feel very much that they're the only ones who are suffering in a certain way. And we thought if we could uh, have these characters have issues that maybe people could relate to, they would see that they're not the only ones dealing with these things. So without being preachy, um, it deals with human elements of, of loss, of, um, of, you know, characters that have Alzheimer's, characters that might be on the autistic spectrum, um, things that are, that are challenges in life, but that, are, that don't define us. And uh, we thought that that would be a nice thing to sort of wrap into our very cool sci-fi um, uh, superhero-esque story, um, which, of course, I, we wanted the fans also to also someone like Dan Green, just an awesome voice actor, but he's also a great uh, illustrator, and he's a great writer. The story is fantastic, if you ask me. And it's called it's called Crossing the Gods. Um, and we're going to air, we're going to show two the first two episodes at Supernova during our Q and A, um, because we want to get fan feedback. We want to see what the fans think of what we're doing, um, because this is for them. Uh, we are being uh, uh, geeks about it ourselves. Um, and challenging ourselves with the storytelling, and we want to get some feedback from the fans as well. Well, Eric, that sounds absolutely fantastic. I'm looking forward to seeing it, and I know fans around Australia are looking forward to meeting you in June. Thank you so much for joining us and for your time today. Thank you so much. Have a great one. That was the lovely Eric Stewart. Now, here's my chat with Bryce Pappenbrook. Enjoy. Welcome to the show, Bryce, and thank you so much for joining me today. Happy to be here. Now, you started working professionally at a very young age. What drove you into the industry that young? So I, I grew up in a, a family of actors. Uh, both my mom and dad were actors. Um, but the, the first time I uh, stepped in the booth, I went to work with my dad. He was working on a show called Power Rangers. He played Rito Revolta, the skeleton dude on, on Power Rangers, and a bunch of the monsters in the show. And uh, I used to love to go to work with him because I had a bunch of the rubber suits kind of lining the stairs up into the studio. Um, and it was just really fun to watch my dad in the booth. And um, during one of his sessions, I needed a kid's voice. And my dad said, he's a kid, throw him in the booth. And that's how I got my start. And do you think you then learned more from being on set and around people like your father than you would have from a professional training institute? Yeah, actually, I, I wasn't formally trained as an actor or a voice actor. Um, you know, there's, there's not one way to kind of get into the industry. Um, I pull a lot of what I do from uh, what I learned kind of watching my, my dad and um, from martial arts. That was really my first passion. Um, I'm a black belt in Tong Sudo and uh, taught Muay Thai and boxing for years. Um, so I know what it's like to, you know, throw a punch and a kick. And I know what it's like to get kicked in the face. Um, so I, I draw a lot of inspiration from, from that. Um, but I, I think, you know, every, every actor sort of has different things that they pull from. And mine just happens to be those particular things. And obviously you've been working in voice acting for a while now. How have you seen the industry change and evolve over the last few years? It's changed a ton. 
Um, so first, the whole auditioning process is totally new because of technology. Um, before, you used to go someplace and, and be in a booth with someone, with a casting director and have sides. Now most of the auditions are just emailed to you and you record them uh, where you know at your home studio and email it back and hope that you kind of hit the right tone. It's, it's become almost like shooting darts at a dartboard blindfolded because um, you don't always get a lot of instruction on what they're looking for. Um, so that whole process has changed. Um, and uh, the new simul dubbing and the ability to record faster and more efficiently and proficiently than ever before is, is super interesting. Um, and of course, video games are getting bigger and bigger. Uh, I, I play a character named Wall or the Warrior of Light in a mobile game called Mobius Final Fantasy. And um, the when you download the app, the icon is the infinity symbol. So my fingers are crossed that the game continues to go on forever. It's to date the longest game I've ever worked on. Um, so it's it's really exciting that there's those opportunities out there. Um, and the, the whole atmosphere with fans have changed. Um, conventions just were not like Supernova, um, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, they, they just didn't exist. So the opportunity for uh, someone like myself who talks in a booth like a crazy person to be able to go out and, and actually interact and, and talk to the people who have seen the work that I do and um, that and let me know, you know, how it resonates with them and, and how moments that I hoped would be funny were funny. Um, it's it's so exciting and almost surreal. Um, I, I, you know, I, I describe it as like the, the voice actors applause going to these conventions. So it's it's such a great opportunity to be able to do that. That certainly does sound wonderful. And I want to talk about games for just a second more because you've just been announced as joining the Sonic universe. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, I'm taking the role of Silver the Hedgehog, um, who it's, it's really fun to step into that role, even though most of the, the work is very quick delivery and little witty comebacks because it's a racing game. Um, but he's, he's a really fun character. I hope people play him uh, as, as their main. Um, I can't wait to pick up the game and play. It, it looks amazing. Um, so it's just exciting to be part of franchises that I was a fan of and, and you know, growing up. Um, I definitely played the original Sonic for Sega. Um, and I've had that opportunity a few other times. Um, I play a character named Red in Pokemon Origins. And I, I played the original uh, Pokemon Red for Game Boy and picked Charmander first. So it's, it's amazing. I, I get to be the, uh, the OG Pokemon master. Um, and I mentioned Final Fantasy. I, I also play a character named Zidane. Some people call him Zidane uh, in a game called Dissidia Final Fantasy. Um, there's there's been a number of those Dissidia releases. What they do is they, they pull a bunch of the heroes and the villains from a number of the different Final Fantasy games. And my character was the main character in Final Fantasy IX. Um, and I was a huge fan of Final Fantasy and RPGs growing up. 
Um, so it's amazing. Like when they, they, they were using a code name for that game when we were first recording. And when I found out like that I was working on Final Fantasy, I, I had a hold in the fanboy moment. Um, I just couldn't believe that I was, you know, was being able to be part of that universe. Um, so it's, it's just incredible to be part of another one that I was a fan of growing up and uh, now I can see myself in the game. And what other universes are left on your bucket list that you'd just love to be a part of? You know, it's, it's hard to, to have a bucket list. I've, I've learned as an actor to not get my heart set on any one particular role um, because we don't get to choose the rules that we play. Uh, you know, a, a lot of the job is auditioning and, and trying to find those, those perfect fits. Um, so I try not to fall in love with any particular, you know, universe or game or, or, or genre. Um, I just kind of cast my net out and see what comes back. And um, for me, it's, it's been a lot of young heroes, um, probably because my voice hasn't changed since middle school. Um, which I'm perfectly fine with. Um, so we'll have to wait and see. I, uh, I've definitely been very active in working on some amazing projects. So um, part of the fun of being an actor, you just don't know what's around the corner. And uh, it's, it's exciting to just continue to, to see what's coming next. It certainly would be exciting. Now, Bryce, just before we let you go, what can you tell us about the new season of Attack on Titan? I can tell you what I know, and it's probably not as much as everyone uh, out there knows. I haven't read the manga, um, so I love going on the journey as I'm working. Um, I've been a huge fan of Attack on Titan ever since it uh, was released in Japan. I started watching when there were about six episodes, and uh, time and time again, I just cannot guess what you know what the the next step is and what, you know, I just want to know what's in the basement. And they keep teasing us with that. Even in the opening of this new arc, they, they sort of pan into the basement right before each episode starts. So I hope we get to find that out. Um, I can tell you from what I've recorded, there is a ton of action coming. Um, and I mentioned my passion for martial arts. It looks like Aaron's picks up, picked up some Brazilian jiu-jitsu along the way. So it's really cool to, uh, to see him utilizing some authentic technique and you know, recognize that as something that I've been put in and tapped out from before. <laughs> well, Bryce, that sounds absolutely phenomenal. We can't wait to see you out here at Supernova in Sydney and Perth in June. Thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, can't wait to uh, come back down under. It's, it's going to be really fun. Look forward to seeing you there. That was Bryce Pappenbrook. Now, as always, thanks to our incredible supporters, Palace Nova Cinemas, Mad Zombie Collectibles and ZQ Racing. All their details are on the supporters section of the website. And don't forget, you can follow me on social media at BenjaminMM underscore on Twitter, BenjaminMayamKay on Instagram, and just search BenjaminMayamKay on Facebook and look for the blue checkmark. Well, that's all from us this month. We'll be back with another couple of exciting interviews in June. See you next time.